Hello, my name's David Lee, and welcome to this episode of the Scotsman's Fintech Focus podcast series. This episode is brought to you by Mambu and Fintech Tables, and discusses the funding challenges faced by small and medium-sized enterprises, or SMEs as we all know them. SMEs make up around 90% of businesses worldwide, an estimated 400 million businesses in total, and they employ more than half of the global workforce and provide as much as 70% of new employment in emerging economies. Yet despite this enormous contribution, many SMEs still struggle to get the funds necessary from banks to survive and thrive, even with the support of modern technology. So we're asking why, looking at the challenges from both the SME side and from the perspective of the banks who lend them money in removing the roadblocks to faster SME funding. I'm joined for this important discussion by Richard Morgans, General Manager UK and Ireland for Mambu, a global business which provides technology infrastructure for banks and financial service providers. Our second contributor is Thomas Byrne, General Manager for Europe, Middle East and Africa, Commercial and Mortgage for Encino, a US-based fintech specialising in cloud-based banking software. I started off by asking Richard Morgans why the current market was so fertile for the growth of more SMEs. I think overall the last, so I'd say a couple of decades really, I think since the early um, sort of technology boom in the 2000s, is that we've got a you know rich environment on the technology side, but also on the economic side as well. There's a lot of incentives to start new businesses. There's ways in which you can you know, file for research and development credits, for example, to try and create new IP. You know, it's also sort of culminated in, a, in a, an opportunity to, to try and create something that's, you know, compelling to the market. Funding is always an issue for any business of any size, but particularly for, for SMEs, Richard. Why has access to funding been such a barrier to the growth ambitions of SMEs broadly? Because it's hard to get. <laughs> I think is the, the logical answer is it's, it's been really difficult to get funding. And that's partly down to the way in which I think we've assessed the, the viability of somebody's business um, you know, proposal that's put forward in front of a bank manager to say, you know, here's a startup grant, here's a loan, here's a, you know, a bank account to, to get your business up and running. There was a, um, an interesting tweet um, that I think has been quoted a few times by Elon Musk in the US where you know, a good example is that you know, there's very few questions asked about taking out hundreds of thousands of student debt to go to university, but, you know, getting a 10,000 entrepreneur loan to start your own business is nigh and impossible. And I think that's a really good example of, you know, one of the key challenges that has been facing, um, you know, new business entrepreneurs to get something started. That filters through into what has been a little bit of an incumbent process, you know, getting funding to get your business off the ground has been difficult. Even small things like digital tooling being so important, you know, about finding key people to work with in your business. You're not so location dependent. Um, you know, it's all, I think, moved on in the last few years so that we've seen an acceleration of being able to get better funding, which has been underpinned by the assessment of an individual through more of a data-driven process than just an individual sort of manually reviewing your application for, you know, a loan, for example. It, it's got us to a point that um, it's less of a barrier now than it was before in the past, but there's still a lot that needs to be done, I think, in some of the larger organisations that would still enable or facilitate some of that funding to businesses to get off the ground. 
Okay, and Mambu have addressed this in, in your report, small business, big growth. So why did you produce that report? And uh, tell us a little bit about Mambu as well and why this matters to you. Sure. So we'll start with Mambu first. So we're 10 years old. We're a core banking engine, which means that we essentially play the heart of a financial institution's ecosystem of technologies to stand up a proposition to serve customers in the market. Why it's important to us, I mean, we've over the last 10 years, we've evolved to support over 230 financial institutions globally across 63 different countries. Um, and in more recent times, you know, we've seen an emergence, especially in the UK I market that I represent, is that we've seen this new wave of SME lenders come to market, get licenses and start lending out money to, to sectors in the market that have you know, found it frustrating to go to some of the bigger institutions in the past. And I think that's been really important for us to be able to highlight the opportunity that's presented, not just on the competition side and fair outcome for the consumer from the bank side, but also I think it really highlights the opportunity for entrepreneurs on the market to see that there are these new wave of entrants that are serving an unmet need. And you know, it's being done quicker, more efficient, and producing a better outcome for the customer as well. Okay, and before we come to the report, I'm going to bring Thomas in. Thomas, can you tell us a little bit about Encino and what you provide and how you're working with Mambu and why the SME market is important to you as a business? Yeah, thanks, David. Um, good to be with everybody today. So um, Encino has been in existence a little over 10 years now um, and grown to a scale where we service over 1,500 financial institutions globally. And that, that really ranges from some of the digital neobanks that Richard spoke about there all the way through to some of the largest organizations in the world um, that, that we're proud to call um, clients of ours. Richard sort of touched on it a lot there. He talked about sort of the core banking system that Mambu provides. And, and we've had a great partnership with Mambu. And we really see ourselves as, as the banking platform that provides a little bit of a window into Mambu. So we're all about sort of the origination and lending processes and trying to streamline that as much as possible so, so banks can evolve their offering. Our core business has really always been around sort of helping banks evolve their, their SME offering to those customers and their clients and their colleagues as well, who shouldn't be forgotten in this picture. And, and you know, partnering with a technology like Mambu where those two technologies can be integrated, it can be a joint ecosystem, it can be an experience that doesn't feel like two different business processes because they're not, um, has been has been key in the market. And there's some great proof points working with working with the guys at Mambu that we've, we've really enjoyed and we, we don't take for granted. I think just to add to that is that, you know, it's one of the, I've come from an incumbent bank from a few years ago. Um, you know, one of the points around this access to capital is we used to see the drop-off rates, you know, going through a lending application. And it just sort of highlights that, you know, it, it can't be something that Mambu can solve on its own. And probably that's the same for, for Encino as well. But you would get so far through an application process and then suddenly there'd be another requirement or a manual document upload, but without the, the ability to be able to scan something efficiently or that wouldn't be recognised in a certain format. Or it would be that, you know, that there's additional signatories on the business account that you're, you know, applying for that yes suddenly it's a friction point and you know this this again it, it really sort of articulates some of the issues that you know clients of the banks are facing but also the banks themselves how do you get that seamless journey that frictionless experience so that you don't have that drop off you don't have the customer looking elsewhere because it's frustration more than anything else 
um, that, you know, that's causing, you know, some of those issues around funding. Does it sometimes surprise you, Richard, that it is so damn hard to get those small loans, as, as Elon Musk said? You know, it, it historically it has been difficult and it's it's silly, isn't it? Um, you know, we don't want to go sort of big bank bash too much because I think they're, you know, humble enough now to realise some of the errors of their ways before. But, you know, the treatment of customers going through sometimes financial hardship for a, you know, a few months and then not having an option of where to go to. What we're seeing now is that there's options, there's flexibility and there's choice for the, for the market. And, that, and that's the thing which is driving that change, I think, across the industry as a whole. OK, and we'll come to the report uh, now, Richard. So small business, big growth. Why did Mambu produce that report and, and what were its kind of big findings, if you like, the headlines? So, again, you know, one of the main takeaways really is this access to capital piece. How do you provide, I think, that reassurance and guarantee that there are ways in which the applicant of the SME owner has somewhere to go? They know they can get the business off the ground. But also the other key area for us was being able to demonstrate that you can do things as, a, as an institution. You know, a lot of the customers that we serve are you know, heritage brands of you know, 100, 150 years old. And, you know, sometimes with that comes a little bit of a, you know, heritage culture, to put it politely. And um, it's, it's being able to demonstrate that, you know, through the successes of taking that leap of, you know, faith and commitment into transforming your technology can produce an outcome that isn't just fraught with risk and danger and potential fallout. It's that you can move with agility and flexibility um, without having to, you know, I think be a little bit too concerned about what that might do in terms of impact on the market how are your shareholders going to react to that is it that you're going into a market which you you know perhaps thought you didn't feel you could serve properly before i think it's that we're trying to clearly highlight that we're in a very strong market now for technology transformation and it is it goes back to my point it's driven by the consumer and much like retail banking as well as we've seen you know it's consumer change in other sectors, it's driving that change in the financial sector as well. Okay, and I'll come to you, Thomas, that Richard's picked up there on, you know, the consumer customer side and on, on the, the bank side as well and the heritage issues. Let's talk about those in turn. First of all, that kind of changing customer expectation. From Encino's perspective, what are your observations about how those customer and consumer expectations have changed, particularly over the last couple of years as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, it's a great question. I think you can see sort of the fact that Encino exists as a company and sort of has been able to grow at the scale that it has as a direct response to that change in customer expectation. Um, a lot of the times we speak to financial institutions that are servicing small businesses, SMEs, and you look at the tech stack and, you know, after the financial crisis, especially some of the larger high street banks, we saw a huge rush um, to sort of digitize as much as possible, all of the processes, all of kind of that point of service and, and heavily invest in sort of customer experience and top, that sort of app-based lending, app-based sort of banking. However, that, that sort of investment in our experience wasn't shared equally. There was a huge amount of investment that went into sort of the consumer space. But, you know, if I want to want to bank with my traditional bank as a consumer, I get a fairly fairly decent experience. If I want to bank with my business and I just want to start to look at financing options for my business, it, it feels like I've stepped a little bit back in time. And I think there's a lot of appetite now that, you know, people are no longer going to accept that, you know, I'm in one section of the app and I get an experience that feels automated or that feels intuitive. 
versus, you know, just because I now want to talk to you about how I can, you know, lend money against my bakery, that I get something completely different. I get passed off to a phone representative. I'm left to sort of fend for myself. And, you know, sort of bringing that digitization to sort of the SME sector is, has been a passion of our company. And, and I know Richard's as well. And, um, you know, I think it's testament to both companies that that those consumer expectations have not stopped at sort of the consumer boundary. They're definitely spilling over into SME. They're creeping all the way up into the most complex of businesses now because, because that's what people have got used to. You know, if, if you get used to that in certain sections of your life, it becomes very archaic and jarring that when you go into work in the morning, you get something completely different. Um, and I think the other point that, that I'll just finish on with this is the technology is now enabling you to be able to do that. So I think sort of 10, 12 years ago, you know, a lot of the fintechs rushed uh, into sort of that consumer space. It was the most understood. There was the most publicly available data to build, et cetera. Um, that's true on the business side of the house now. And I think you're going to see some really exciting fintech, a, a real boom of innovation coming as you know, that, that wave that we saw previously extends naturally into the business world and, and is ripe for innovation continuing throughout the next, the next few years. I know this is a really hypothetical question, Thomas, but if the pandemic hadn't existed, would we have seen, you know, changes at the pace that you've just described with business banking catching up a little bit with consumer banking in terms of what's offered? Yeah, I mean, I think it's become almost a, a bit of a trope or a cliche now that um, all these consumer expectations are driving it. And, you know, the pandemic was the catalyst. I think the pandemic wasn't the catalyst, but it definitely was an accelerator. Um, and, you know, we, we moved to a world where it wasn't just consumer expectations, but it was business realities that were forcing sort of the digitization on a lot of the lenders. And I think what people were able to achieve, yes, usually under high stress scenarios and during timelines and sort of a lot of uncomfortable nights that that people wouldn't want to repeat in projects. But when you look at the speed that even the most traditional lenders were able to react to things like the bounce back loan scheme, to things like the C-bill scheme that we had here in the UK, it shows that it is possible. But, um, you know, the culture, the mindset and the impetus has got to be there, married with sort of the technologies that are on offer um, to allow people to start to move past um, maybe some silos that existed in people's heads and sort of cultural sort of muscle memory of organizations. Okay, and, and we'll come on to the second bit of the equation there, Thomas, the banks. You touched on it a bit there, um, improvement in what they're offering in terms of business banking, but what's set apart those, those banks that have done better than others? What are the characteristics of those banks that, maybe weren't doing such a great job for businesses, but now have improved? The financial institutions that have been able to sort of overcome that inherent change barrier that's grown up for all sorts of, you know, really benevolent reasons um, have been the ones that have been able to be successful. I think what we're seeing now is almost as the, the base of digitization begins to get established in the industry, where we get really excited and where we see financial institutions able to begin to differentiate and we think are going to be the winners in the years to come is those that can really start to personalize their experience. So not just be able to lend you a, a loan in five minutes and get that funded in sort of 10, but being able to, even before you know that you're going to have um, a need for funding, being able to proactively reach out to you, understand your customer needs. Because, you know, financial institutions are, are probably the richest analytics companies in the world. They have all sorts of data they can start to personalize um, their offerings to it and we're really excited to to try and help them on those journeys and see that as the next phase of the digitization ahead of us okay and and richard what 
what can Mambu do in this space specifically? I mean, uh, Thomas touched there on this kind of bespoke experience. Mambu talks about composable banking. How do you get into the space and offer SMEs what they want? So, you know, we will never be directly facing to an SME business itself. You know, our, our connection or interaction point with an SME will always be through, you know, a financial institution, which, you know, by very nature could well be an SME itself. Um, you know, I, what we're here to do is give flexibility. So, you know, we are a cloud native core banking platform that means that we are API first by integration. So when we look to all of the new next gen um, sort of providers that sit around us in an ecosystem that create a, an experience layer, but also, you know, an ability to process an end-to-end -end transaction to get a customer, you know, funding, for example, or stand up a business bank account. You know, we're here to be able to give a business the flexibility to create that ecosystem of best for purpose providers that suit the need that they feel they can address on the market. Yeah, I think that's that's a really important point that Richard just said there. I, I often say it's it's never been a better time to be a bank, even with all of the changing customer expectations, even with all of the regulation. Uh, I think the reason that that we believe that to be true is I think we're now starting to see the true the true promise of SaaS and SaaS companies start to come to the fore. So, like Richard said there, there's no way that any one vendor or any one system or any one offering really is going to be able to create genuinely personalized experiences for customers at the right speed, with the right flexibility at the right time. But what you're seeing now is sort of the best to start to come together to create that experience, which is it's never one technology, it's a combination of technologies. And you know, I think financial institutions and the ones that are going to win, to come back to your earlier question, David, are the ones that have woken up to that reality and are starting to use it to their advantage. You're listening to Removing the Roadblocks to Faster SME Funding, an episode of the Scotsman podcast series, Fintech Focus. If you're interested in discussing the fintech world in a podcast, please email podcasts at scotsman.com. This episode is brought to you by Mambu and Fintech Tables and features technology experts Richard Morgans from Mambu and Thomas Byrne from Encino. Richard Morgans thinks that as well as accelerating the faster adoption of new and improved technology, the COVID-19 pandemic fostered a better understanding of SMEs and the challenges they face. What we've seen is a, you know, I think more of a, an awareness and understanding from, you know, those that don't sit in you know, the self-employed market or, you know, the small, medium-sized business owners, you know, I, I think pre the pandemic weren't really aware about how businesses struggled. So once the doors started to shut, how businesses could adapt to that new climate and way of working, you know, home deliveries, laying off staff, the furlough scheme, you know, all of that was suddenly a lot more emotive, I think, to, to others around them. And, and, you know, that that hit home with the banks themselves as well. You know, I think back to the point on culture, advocacy from the top of we need to do something here to support the market um you know i think that was the the first sort of scene setting piece for us is that you started to see you know people understanding how challenging it is to be a business owner i think going forwards what we see as the the opportunity here really is what what's the the way in which you sort of come out from this with uh, a drive forward for, for more transformation, for more evolution of the, the banking experience. And that will be the likes of embedded finance, you know, coming into play, which is, 
you know, getting a, a more automated, better demonstration of suitability of products and affordability of a product for a customer. And I know we're moving away now, Richard, from traditional lenders delivering analog solutions in the digital world. Have they actually got, have all the traditional lenders got their head around this agenda now? And how can they still be more agile and flexible in what they are offering? So there's a balance, I think. You know, there is sometimes still a, not necessarily a reliance, but a certain expectation, I think, from some customers to have that human touch. That's not to say we should be trying to take that out of, you know, the relationship with, with the customer. Um, you know, relationship managers will always play a fundamental part to a business, but it's at the right time. It's the tools around them, I think, that will help facilitate a stronger relationship with the customer long term. And Thomas, what about you? Do you think that's true? Do you think that all the main traditional lenders have got the head around this agenda now? They're all moving in the right direction? I think what's really interesting um, and sort of the challenge for the traditional lenders is pretty much without exception, most of the fintechs, certainly in the UK market, are specialising in a very deep niche, be that a certain type of product, be that a certain type of customer, and really trying to get good within that niche. And sort of the, the traditional lenders, sort of their, their biggest benefit has always been scale. Um, but I think one of, the, one of the really interesting things that we see is with the traditional lenders, especially, is beginning to start to choose their horses a little bit of, you know, which products do we want to play in? Where do we want to have a partnership with somebody who offers something differentiated, even if it's white labeled under the hood? And I think sort of that co-opetition ecosystem that they're almost beginning to build up themselves based on technologies that allow that to be a, a reality that you can that you can take the market it is going to be the next phase of this. I'm I'm certainly not one of these that thinks there's a that they're going away anytime soon. I think people that that talk about the demise of the traditional lenders are, are sorely mistaken, to be completely honest with you, given sort of their reputation, their history, their size, their scale, their ability to fund. Um, it is all going to be unrivaled for quite some time yet. Um, but I think the final part and, and sort of the SME sector is a, a really interesting part of this. None of the traditional lenders or any of the new lenders want their relationship managers or their highly paid people to be reading out data from a screen that can be provided to a customer digitally. What they want them to be able to do is be seeing insights from technologies like Encino, like Mambu, that they can then play back to their customer and have a genuinely meaningful conversation and sort of deliver on the promise of the value out of the human of the relationship manager. And I think that's going to be where we see people be really successful is who can, who can create the most insights for the humans to, to sort of help find financial institutions and help SMEs in the process. Okay. And, and Richard, we've talked quite a bit already about some of the, some of the barriers to you know, the roadblocks and the barriers to effective SME lending and encouraging that innovation. If we can get those roadblocks, get those barriers out the way, what, what are the big opportunities, both for the SMEs and for those lending the money? Well, hopefully it'll be the further growth in the economy from both sides, really. One of the things I think which has been a challenge in the past is that when we've seen, you know, sort of economic growth, you know, driven by but, you know, increasing debt on the market is that one of the, the big issues that we faced in the you know, financial crisis in 2007-2008 is the, the understanding, the transparency of what was being lent and to, to whom and how. You know, what, what we're moving into now is a, a clearer way to be able to understand the customer, but also demonstrate the, you know, the ability to be able to show the regulators, show your internal 
you know, underwriting teams that we've got, you know, data-driven insight here as to why this is the right, you know, decision to make on a customer's behalf. So what I would expect to see is if we can get that data-driven process embedded across the whole of the financial institutional landscape is we'd expect to see, you know, continued better outcomes for the consumer, but really underpinned by, you know, a, a really nice and clear audit trail of affordability and suitability and, you know, ability to service that customer a lot better than perhaps what, what we had before in the past. You know, you saw it was get funding out the door was always the mandate before, get the funding out. And then, you know, it would be a different process if they were to get into sticky situations. What we're seeing now is the ability to serve in digital channels, customers being able to self-serve better, and ultimately the banks being able to keep a clearer track of, you know, what was going on with that customer as well. And that, that's why I can only see this being a positive in the long run. So. Thomas, just to return to the title of the podcast, can you share some final thoughts from Encino's perspective about how do we remove those roadblocks to faster and better SME funding? I think the way that we sort of remove roadblocks is we spoke about it a lot, but we, we continue to sort of drive the culture of the institutions. We continue to sort of coach um, and show sort of successful proof points um, of how this has worked at other financial institutions that have had the same challenges as you, that have had the same experiences you so far but we're able to sort of choose a path and chart a path and, and what that success looked like um, i think technology is going to continue to evolve um, you know everybody talks about ai machine learning all of the type of new age technologies um, i think the more that they can be used to solve genuine business problems um, and not sort of just serve for their own sake that's only going to help to accelerate um, but I think, I think the final point for me is, is really data is going to be the key. People talk about data being the new oil. There's never been you know, a, a better time to have availability of data to be able to create innovative solutions for your customers. Um, it's a bit of a double-edged sword because the regulator keeps increasing the burden that needs to, to go into the amount of data that needs to be used to, to make these decisions. But I think if you combine sort of the changing consumer expectations, cultural changes that are going on in society at large, technological innovations, um, and sort of put an availability and abundance of data, especially in the European banking sector, all into the mix, uh, I think we're in a good space to see, um, see some real great innovation in the coming years. Okay, and, and Richard, some final uh, thoughts from you uh are you optimistic first of all that we are moving in the right direction both from a lenders and an sme's perspective and secondly what would you say to new businesses or you know new clients wanting to get a part of this wanting to be part of this transformation so we're definitely moving in the right direction um i think it goes back to my point on regulation coming in that's you know spearheading now not stymieing development of new products and services to the market um you know so that's that's only ever going to be a positive thing you know the whole point of open banking leading into embedded finance is about clearer and consistent outcomes fairer outcomes for consumers um, and that feeds exactly into what we expect to see as a continual drive from smes i think asking their banks for products services an understanding maybe even why you're saying no, you know, that, that again is, you know, as long as there's evidence there to be able to show that you've put a human touch and a data-driven touch together to give an outcome to a customer, even if it's not necessarily the desired one, I think it gives them something more than they had before in the past, which was sometimes just either no response or just, you know, a blank, 
no, but we can't tell you why. Um, so on that side, I think we're only going to continue to see, um, I think, a better outcome, a fairer treatment of customers long term. Um, to your point around, you know, what to do next, if you're, you know, uh, looking at starting your own SME business on one side, if you're not going to ever be a customer of Mambo's, we still love to hear from you because we're a customer centric organization. So the more we understand the pains, the, the sufferings, but also the opportunities opportunities that you know entrepreneurs are seeing in the market that helps reinforce how we should be thinking about our product long term as well and if you're a financial institution or looking at starting one as many of which we supported over the last few years come and talk to us you know we, we'd love to hear about your your ideas where you are in the market where you are with funding you know all of those things are really exciting and that's really part of my job is to have those conversations and Thomas, just finally from you, are you optimistic we're moving in the right direction and that everybody is, 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 is getting on board with this transformation? Yeah, I couldn't have said it better than Richard myself. Um, you have to be optimistic, David. Life goes on, doesn't it? But the SME landscape, you know, for a lender has never been more exciting, like we spoke about earlier. But I think to be an SME um, in the UK um, or further afield has also never been so exciting, you know. Yes, there is some macroeconomic headwinds that we're likely all going to have to face into over, over the coming years, and, and we shouldn't be tone deaf to that. But I think, you know, with sort of the technology, the landscape that we have, um, the vibrant economy that we, that we have, and sort of the changing face of entrepreneurship within the UK, um, you know, the access to finance that Richard spoke about earlier, sort of the entrepreneur schemes, you know, the way the government and the regulator are stepping in to try and ensure that that's getting the boost that it needs. You know, there's a lot of tailwinds um, in the face of that macroeconomic environment that, that should lead us all to be optimistic. And, you know, if you have a great idea, if you have a great product, um, I genuinely believe there may never have been a better time to, to be starting your business um, than, than right now. So, so really looking forward to the years ahead. I think we're going to see some great um, innovation from both the SME sector and the lending side that's, that's only going to underpin the vibrant economy that, that we know today. Thanks very much to Thomas Bernavencino and to Richard Morgans of Mambu for their great insights today. Thanks very much to you too for listening to Removing the Roadblocks to Faster SME Funding, brought to you by Mambu and Fintech Tables. This episode's part of the Scotsman's Fintech Focus series, which is available on all your main podcast platforms. Fintech Focus is presented by me, David Lee, and produced by Andrew Mulligan. Mm-hmm.